Dave, would you like to come and uh, pray for Mitzi? Is that all right? Since you're such a good dancer, you see, as I said before, physical and spiritual has to go hand in hand, you know. It's the same to God. They're both equally important. So... Amen. Heavenly Father, we pray for your anointing today, dear Lord. We pray that all of our footsteps shall be guided of you, dear Lord. Father, we pray that the words that, we, that Mitzi shall share with us, dear Lord, will impart in our hearts, will just give us the tools and the strength and the glory to continue to magnify you, dear Lord. Heavenly Father, we pray for everyone in the service today, for those that know you fully, and for those that don't know you, that you'll just open your heart to them, dear Lord. And Father God, we know that your time will be the right time for them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 It, it felt like Dave wanted to push me down, actually. <laughs> well, Right, Dave, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm blessed to have the opportunity to, to minister to you this morning. And um, our theme this year has been about the fire of God, so that's what I'm going to be uh, touching on today. And as usual, I've got my unusual way of seeing things, so, um, you know, we're going to have a we're going to go down a, a little journey. Um, but this message is called, is called Trusting God Anyway. Because mm? sometimes we think we should only trust him in the good. Um, and sometimes we want to give up trusting him. But it's about trusting him anyway. So the, the Bible says in Acts... Um, in Acts 2, verse 3, there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And in Acts, and it also, when we, when we read that scripture, we have an unusual view of, you know, flames of fire upon individuals. As we read about the fire of God, the power of God, it's, it always feels quite external. But what I want to look at today is about the internal fire of God and how that can be manifested in our lives and what, she, what we should do with it. So what I've done, I've got a few images of a Bunsen burner. How many of you remember what Bunsen burners are? Yes. Yeah. From your school days in the science lessons that were quite boring, apart from the opportunity to burn the school down. And, and to use the Bunsen burners, you know, to, to mix up chemicals and, and see what they were going to do. But my first um, illustration is of a, a Bunsen burner. And the Bunsen burner, it was used for three things. And these, are, these three things are things that we can do in our lives as we allow the fire of God and the flame of God into our life. It can heat, so it can change from cold to hot. It sterilizes, 
which we can lead people to freedom from contamination. And it also causes a combustion. It causes a reaction. And that's what the fire of God through our life can do. So this is the Bunsen burner. And one of the key elements of the Bunsen burner is this part just here. And that is a valve that allows in air. And that, that valve can be manoeuvred and it can allow more air in or it can keep air out. And in our lives, because God gives us a free will, if we choose to serve him, we also choose how much we want to serve him. And we can also choose how much of him we want to let in. But sometimes in our own limited understanding, we want to serve him, but yet we restrict him from having the full access to our life. And we'll be looking at some of those, some of the reasons why we don't give God our whole life, why we may be one foot in, one foot out. And hopefully by the end of the message, you'll have an opportunity to reflect upon your own conduct and your own behaviour. So my second image is of a, a number of different flames. And these flames are all different depending upon the amount of air that is let in. So the first image of the yellow flame, that is the image with the least air in it. And this image here, which is the flame with the greatest power and intensity, is the one that has full access to the power of God to air. Now, in looking at these images, you might think, whoa, which one am I? But what God wants you to understand is that you can be all four of them. He wants you to have the capacity for him in your life, that he chooses how he uses you and when. So yesterday, for example, um, Pastor Kelly was functioning in that capacity. For those of us that were at the Rivers meeting, she was on form, she was on fire, she was God's vessel, and it, it impacted my life. It, it made me have to look at myself. Um, the whole day was, was a blessing. I feel delicate inside. And that's because God does deep things, and we have to allow him to. But Pastor Kelly doesn't live there. She doesn't live with that intensity. Otherwise, Carly would have left a long time. <laughs> but God knows. God knows when he needs to turn it up and turn it down. But what he wants is for us to have the capacity and to trust him anyway. And the reason why he needs to amend the capacity that we have it's because there's times in our life that we must fight, and we must fight. I know most people think Christianity is about the love of God, we love everybody, what's fighting got to do with serving God? There's many, <laughs> amen, there's many fights, many obstacles that we have to contend with. In 1 Timothy 6, it says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. In 1 Corinthians, um, the Bible says in, in 
1 Corinthians 9 and verse 26, Therefore, so I run, not as uncertainty, so I fight, not as one that beats the air. Because there's different ways of fighting. And sometimes the way we fight is not the way we're supposed to fight. And so, and so the other day I was watching this program called um, Billions. It comes on on a Wednesday. And it was and on, on Wednesday. Okay, I've got a few Billions fans. <laughs> on a Wednesday's uh, program, there was a really funny segment in there about these two companies that were having this annual um, boxing match. So they chose two guys who were, who were in training for this boxing match, and it was a fundraising event. There was lots of money at stake, lots of high, high bets were placed. Um, and, so, and it was a short boxing match. So as it started, the two boxers came out, and they were sizing up each other, and they were both scared. And neither of them wanted to throw a punch, because they didn't want to get hurt. And it was comical. Just seeing them, just kind of around in circles, <laughs> gesturing, but, but afraid. Then they got a bit brave, threw, threw a couple of punches. Come to the second round now. They both got a few, a few bruising, a bit redness on their face, um, still a bit hesitant. By round three now, they were both exhausted. <laughs> they were both hanging on each other like this. They couldn't even lift up their hands. And they were at a standstill in the middle of the ring. And then the fight literally finished before the end of the round. <laughs> and then I think in the fourth round, they both, uh, they both fell over. Because they were so exhausted. And they were both counted out. And it was a draw. So in thinking about that illustration, and it was, it's not a comedy program, but that was so funny. But when I thought about that, I thought, yeah, that's how some of us fight. That's how some of us fight. We don't really want to fight. We, we, we pretend that we are, but sometimes we're just in the ring. We're just going around in circles. We're just looking like we're fighting, but we don't want to throw a punch. We don't want to get hurt. We don't want that risk. We don't want to be exposed and vulnerable. But the Bible says... Fight the good fight of faith. Why would God tell you to fight if he doesn't equip you to fight? There are some psychological triggers that we can use that can create influence. These illustrations of the flame and power of God in our life are also an illustration of the influence that we have among the people that surround us. And often it's knowingly or unknowingly we can impact and influence people. So one of the first ones, um, and these are things that people look at as points of inspiration as they meet you or come into contact with you. And the first one is, they like, they, they, what attracts them is how confident you are in your worth. Do you know who you are and whose you are? Do you understand? The second one is about the tension and resolutions. So I, I summarize that as our journey through the mountains and the valleys. Because there are mountains and valleys in your life, whether you're saved or unsaved. And the third one is your attention to detail. Do you, can God maneuver you? Can he use you? 
Do you do what he tells you to do? As we go through our mountains and our valleys, we need to remember that everybody does, that your trials and your struggles and your hardships and obstacles, we all face them. You shouldn't feel insignificant because you go through a hard patch because, because everybody does. Or put your hand up if you've never done. Amen. There, there is no shame in the struggle. And it's often the struggle where God wants to meet you and work things out and work Amen. things in. Amen. In 2 Corinthians 5, the Bible says, For when we were in Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. We were troubled on every side. Outside were fightings, inside were fears. That's what the Bible says. Inside were fears. Sometimes we just don't know what's going on around us. We don't know how to handle it, how to manage it. And sometimes we have those insecurities and weaknesses and vulnerabilities. And it's okay, and it's normal, and everybody has them. In Hebrews 11, the Bible says that they quench the violence of fire, escape the edge of the sword, out of weaknesses were made strong, wax valiant in fights, and turn to fight the armies of the aliens. Out of weaknesses were made strong. If you don't have weaknesses, if you don't have vulnerabilities, if you don't come to the end of yourself, where will God meet you to make you strong? Because that's what he wants to do. So we're called to, to fight the good fight. We have to recognize that we are not alone, even though we go through our, our ups and our downs. So last week I was talking to Pastor Kelly and I, I mentioned to her that I was going through the situation at work. I've got this new job and there's lots of... I'm trying to, I'm trying to negotiate over my contract. And it's been an ongoing issue and it has kind of got me down at work. So I mentioned it to her last week. And she said to me, um, God will give you the strategy. And in a microsecond, I thought, a strategy? Why can't he tell you to tell me what to do. Right? I know I'm the only person that thinks like that, but when your pastor, who knows God, spends a lot of time in the throne room, when she says he'll give you the strategy, I didn't feel encouraged. So that, that thought, the thought entered, crossed my mind, and I let it go. And at the end, I thought, yeah, you're right. But I... I wanted someone else to do the work. I wanted someone to tell me. And the strange thing was, the following day, I got out, I got up, I literally threw my quilt over. I thought, right, I'm going to get up, I'm going to spend some quality time with the Lord, because I'm going back to work, I'm going back into this situation, and I need God's presence. And before I got out of bed, the Lord reminded me of a situation Uh, that I had with a member of staff where I had to fight a situation for them, which was exactly the same situation that I found myself in. And I thought, oh, I'd forgotten all about it, but it was the policies and procedures that I'd used for that person that I... So when I got to work, I found the example, found the policies and procedures, and I thought, right, I've, I've got them. I've got the grounds I need to get what I want. 
I sent it to one of my HR colleagues just to ask her if, if it had been updated. Didn't see her for a week or so. When I saw her, she said to me, did you send them the information? I said, no. I was just waiting for you to give me some feedback. She said, send it, send it. So I've sent off the information, but God brought something to my remembrance. He gave me a plan and a strategy. And that's what he wants to do in your lives. We don't always have to fight with intensity, but we need to let him in because he'll just drop a little word, a little direction. He'll unction you. He'll instruct you. And that's what he wants to do. I want to look quite quickly at um, an example about uh, Jacob and Laban. Jacob was the son of Isaac, and he was a twin. His twin brother was um, Esau. And and he was encouraged by his mum, Rebecca, to con his his brother's birthright from him, to, to trick his dad and con a blessing for himself. And that's what he did. I mean, it wasn't a great example, you know, of of being a mum, that you'd want to con your husband into giving one of your children something that didn't belong to them. But this is what happened to Jacob. So he he was instrumental in this this situation. Then his mum and his dad suggested that he leaves the area where where they lived, Uh, and to go and stay with his uncle Laban, uh, where he could meet uh, a a woman and and marry her. So he goes to his uncle's um, house. He meets um, Rachel, and he says to his uncle that he wants to marry her. His uncle said, yeah, no problem. Uh, Just work seven years for me, Tend, tend the cattle, tend the sheep, and then she's yours. So after seven years of working faithfully for his uncle, he gets married, he um, uh, consummates the marriage, but yet in the morning when he looks at his wife, it's not the woman that he thought he'd married. It's not Rachel, it was um, Leah, Rachel's older sister. So he says to Laban, why did you do that? What's going on? So Laban said, oh, it's not customary to give the younger before the older. Now, Laban could have told him that from time. <laughs> and when I read that, I thought, well, well, I thought, well, I thought, well, Jacob, what do you expect? Laban is Rebecca's brother. You know, if she's a con artist, what do you think is going to happen? It's in the family, isn't it? Mind who you marry, you know, pray about it. So I thought, well, and you were, you were conned. So sometimes what you sow is what you reap. So then, so, so Jacob, Jacob was a reformed person by, by this time. He had had an encounter with the Lord. He, um, he, he, he was going to be blessed and he wanted to serve the Lord. So he was prepared to serve Laban for another seven years so he could marry Rachel. And that's what he did. As the Bible gives us an illustration, um, Leah was blessed with children um, Rachel struggled to have children. He then, you know, both of his wives encouraged him to, to sleep with, his, with the handmaids. He had more children. And as his family grew, he was unctioned to approach Laban after many, many years and ask Laban for some cattle so that he could then leave and he's got something to start off his, his ranch with. And God had a plan. 
So he spoke to Laban, who we know was a con artist. Um, and he said to Laban, look, you know, um, it's time for me to leave. I need to, uh, I need to go. Um, you know, could I have some of the cattle? Laban said, well, I know that God has blessed me because of you. What is it you want? So he said, well, can I have some of the cattle and uh, the, the sheep that were, were spotted, uh, were speckled, or were striped? And Laban said, yeah, no problem. And so Jacob thought, well, that's great. Little did Jacob know that Laban said to his brothers, hey, hey, boys, you see them speckled, spotted, and striped one? Take them and take them three days away so that Jacob can't get them. This is Uncle Laban. But God had a plan for Jacob. He said to Jacob, what I want you to do, because Laban, true to form, has conned you and taken some of the cattle that was destined to be yours, I want you to get these branches, to cut elements out of them, to put them in the water trough, so as the, as the rams and the cattle, as they feed, that they will behold these images and they will breed and, and give you the cattle with the, um, with the stripes, with the spots and speckles. And that's what Jacob did. Now, for some of us, we might look at that and we might think, oh, does that sound godly? Does that sound right? But sometimes God will give you instructions to do. Number one, they will always take you out of your comfort zone. You'll never have victory if you want comfort. But we need to trust God, not only during our trials, but we need to trust him during our blessings. Amen? It doesn't just fall out of the sky. No one's going to ring you up and say you won the lottery. You have to fight for what's yours. You have to contend. You have to dig deep. You have to shore up. You have to build spiritual muscles. You have to research. You have to change your mindset. You have to, you have to be refined. You have to dig deep. And God gives you all that you need to make that transition. Because we live in a world where people don't want you to, to get ahead. They don't want you to be blessed. They don't want you to have more than them. Why should you? And Laban, Laban openly said, I'm blessed because of you. What, did he want him to go? Why would he want him to go? Because he'd lose his blessing. And to some people, you are just their meal ticket. You know, they want to keep you where you are. But God's got plans for you. He's taking you maybe from there to here to have a place of influence and impact in the lives of others around you. So we need courage to do what God has called us to do. We need to have God's instructions and blessings in our life. Excuse me, I'm just looking at my notes. And one of the things I did this week, um, after I kind of prepared the message... I, I stumbled across um, one of those kind of TED Talks. I was talking to Margaret about it yesterday. And it was Brenny Brown. And she was talking about 
Who said that? Hey, billions, Brenny Brown. She was talking about being vulnerable. You know, she studied shame. She was talking about being vulnerable. And so she said to, um, she was talking to somebody and she mentioned about shame and courage. And this individual said to her, oh, they're opposites. And she said, no, they're not. And he said, yeah, they are. If you're courageous is here, vulnerability is here. She said, no. She said, before any act of courage, you will be vulnerable. That's what she said. And she said, being courageous means being vulnerable. We need to choose courage over comfort and having the courage to show up when we can't control the outcome. Vulnerability is not being weak, not at all. And then I thought about my life, and as I was thinking about the message today, and I I thought, you know what? There's many a time, because now I understand that there is vulnerability before courage. There's many a time when you and I have felt vulnerable and didn't continue. We didn't continue in that act where the next step we would have had the courage and the power of God to do what we needed to do. How many of us draw back when we feel vulnerable? And that's where God wants to meet you, at that next step. Because he's prepared what you need. He's got your armor. He's got your back. But we don't. As soon as we feel vulnerable, doubt, uncertainty, Every, all your emotions go haywire, and you draw back. And then you probably wonder, why, why is my life like this? Why, am I, why is my flame like this? Why is, all this? why is it always happening to me? Well, because you've chosen comfort over courage. But comfort doesn't bring peace. We need to trust God anyway. We need to allow him to have his way in our life. So looking at these flames and looking at the different flames, it made me realize that there's times in our lives where sometimes we wonder why things take so long. I don't know if any of you are familiar with uh, welding and, and soldering. You've got that piece of wire, you've got that metal that you want to solder. Imagine how long it would take to solder something with a flame like this. Hmm? And some of you, that's where you are. Your flame is like this. You've limited God's power into your life, and you wonder why your situation is where it is. You wonder why it's still ongoing. But if you were soldering with a flame like this, how long would it take? Hmm? And so sometimes... We get in God's way. In Psalm 23 and verse 5, the Bible says that thou hast prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Another version says, you made ready a table for me in front of my haters. Yeah, that's what it says. That's a modern day version. Yeah, haters. (laughs) Let's be real. People hate you. They hate you. Especially if you're on the verge of a blessing. Some people can see your gift more than yourself. 
they will use you because you're, 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 you know, you're a meal ticket for them. But if we, but God prepares a table before us in front of our haters. Why, God? Why? Why can't you just do it in front of people that support me? Why? In front of my friends. Why have I got to have all of your blessings in front of my haters? Well, sometimes he wants you to take that step of bravery. He wants you to feel vulnerable, but trust him. And sometimes the enemies that are around you when God has prepared that table. Sometimes your enemies, they're not always people. Sometimes they're situations. Sometimes they're memories. Sometimes they're habits. Sometimes they're lies. Sometimes it's pain. Sometimes it's comfort. Sometimes it's fear, shame. And sometimes it's you. It's not always external. And God is doing a, an amazing thing in all of our lives, and he wants more. He wants you to declutter. He wants more room in your life so he can manoeuvre you and take you where you're supposed to be. He doesn't want to see you keep going round and round in circles. We've, we, we, we know about the children of Israel, that they, that they left, and their 11-day journey took 40 years. And, for, and in the 40 years... They disqualified themselves. You don't want to be disqualified. This is not the time to play. It's the time to open up, to allow God in, to let him have his way, to remove things in your life that hinder your walk with the Lord. If he is your shepherd, are you his sheep? Can he lead you? If he is your father, are you his child? Can he protect you? If he is the potter, are you the clay? Can he mould you? He gives us free will to choose. Choose you this day who you will serve. Will it be yourself in your comfort zone? Blaming God for things that don't work out when you don't let him in. When you continue to keep him out and rob yourself of what God has got in store for you. From yesterday's message at the women's seminar, you know, I, I reviewed my, my, my relationship with the Lord and I thought, you know what, God, I want everything you've got for me. I, I do. You know, I don't want to get to my deathbed and I've got regret. You know, I'm prepared to be vulnerable. That's not a bad, it's not a bad place to be in. You know, I want those things that I know and don't know to be dealt with. You know, I don't want to continue to, to pretend and to lie and to hide. But God, have your way. Have your way in my life. And I, I pray that this morning's message will help you to realise that it's okay to be afraid, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's normal. But don't rob yourself of the things that God has prepared for you because not only will they bless you, they'll bless your family and they'll have an impact on the message and the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen.
Thank you, Mitzi. Uh, I just wanted to add a little bit to what you've said uh, because you've really challenged us to to uh, examine ourselves, isn't it? To, but what I just wanted to add is that the Lord has also given us to each other to help on that journey. And I just wanted to ask Graham, could you just come up? Graham. Um, some of you know that over the years I've had uh, struggles with depression. And uh, recently, about a couple of years ago, I was, I was in a clinical depression for almost a year. And it was really, really tough. And, you know, you saw me this morning up here jumping about, singing and all that. When I was there, I couldn't even imagine standing up here. You know, I was scared to talk to anybody. I was so low and, and I was quite suicidal, really. And it was, I, was, I was really in a bad place. But Graham here, he's known me for a long time. And during this time, and actually even in previous years when I've had similar episodes... He's had this picture for me, yeah? And he always remembered and reminded me of this picture. And I just wanted you to share this. And when he shared it with me, I could not see that happen ever again. I honestly never thought I'd ever come out of this dark place. So I just wanted you to share the picture that he used to have for me. And, you, and over the years, you shared it with me a few times, I think. I was reminded of it this morning upstairs in the prayer house because she started doing it again. And it was when I, I heard her just humming. And the Lord gave me a clear picture of her as a child with a basket. And it's a beautiful day. And she's out on, in, in Switzerland. Switzerland. So you can picture the, the, the flowers, the atmosphere the sun, the peace, the joy, and a little girl going with such joy with this basket, singing to the Lord, just giving just her and him. And that was a wonderful place for her to be. And he used to tell me this, and I honestly could never see that happen. But I can now. And I think you saw that this morning as well. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. You may have been a Christian for a long time, or you may be exploring the possibilities of a relationship with God. Wherever you are in your journey of life, please feel free to contact us at Woolwich Community Church if you would like any further information on today's message. We will be happy to talk with you, pray with you, and help you in any way we can. Please see the information below in our bio on how to get in touch with us. Have a blessed week and God bless.